seven, 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 seven. Time Dice. Oh god, gonna... Time Dice is giving me an eminence and shadow ad. Oh hell yeah! That's what you Let's want. Let's do it. Let's do it on the minute. Okay. Okay. Yeah, it says only available on high dive. I'll like yeah. this story. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's my new favorite way of putting that. <laughs> <laughs> It's <laughs> like the, the pirate's reaction, a likely story. <laughs> um, all right. I wouldn't even, I, I, I have high dive. I wouldn't even need to pirate it, but you know. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> all right. Hello, you are listening to Ultra Q, episode 36. Uh, my name is Red. I am joined by Mel. I can't believe Ultra 7 invented both the Bioshock and the Matrix. <laughs> Yeah, um, I'm also joined by Razen. Uh, I can't believe we're having a Kappa Mikey podcast this time around. Yeah, coming up, we've got Kappa enthusiasts. Um, we've got uh, settler colonialism, <laughs> and we and we've got the return of the fucking king. He's back, baby. Yeah, Ide. <laughs> yes, Ide. <laughs> Uh, we've got uh, robots. We've got, after last week's trusting of technology, we have brought back the f- morbid fear of technology. Um, truly, uh, Ultra 7 made by people who <laughs> just disagree with each other about everything. I really like how I think this is the third time now in an episode I've been like, I think it'd be really neat if in the future we get something exploring like this angle on this. And uh, there's a writer on the team who also agrees with that and then just gives me what I want like right away. (laughs) It's really good. Um, Before we get into any of that, uh, first of all, uh, Time.is gave Razan an Eminence and Shadow ad. So I am going to talk about the fact that Eminence and Shadow is back. Everyone. (laughs) Nice. Sid gang, we are so back. Uh, Run if if you value your life. The frenzy has begun. The moon is red. We're running out of time. Uh, Everyone. The Eminence and Shadow is so good. The problem with with recommending The Eminence and Shadow is that episode one is genuinely terrible um, and has nothing to do with why the show is good. Um, And uh, like that first episode has like some like you know it's got some classic uh, isekai bullshit sexual assault happening in it, Um, and then the rest of the show is just you know is 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 just really good. Uh, Sid 
is hilarious. I love. I can't believe there's an isekai where the best character is the boy who got isekai. Um, love that kid. Uh, he's so dramatic. Not even true of Dunbine. Ooh, who's the who's the best in Dunbine? Uh, Todd. Oh no! Yes, this is absolutely true. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know why he slipped from my mind. <laughs> um, but uh, yeah, Sid has spent the last couple. He's Sid very first. They've just gone for a new. They've gone to a new place. New things are happening. Sid met uh, a, a like a bloodborne lady who said. Uh, <laughs> Run if you value your lives. Uh, if you value your life, uh, the frenzy has begun. Uh, the moon is red. We're running out of time. And Sid thought this was so cool that he spent the last two episodes just showing up and saying this to other people. <laughs> he's the best. I love him. Um, he's such a fucking dork. Uh, anyway, that's my that's my recommend. That's my current seasonal anime recommendation. Catch up on Eminence and Shadow. Uh, it- Every time someone talks to me about Eminence and Shadow, it takes me a split second for me to realize they're not talking about Call of the Night. For whatever reason, those exist in the same brain, like, brain space, and I, I, I feel do like not know why. I two different shows entirely. They are, but, like, Shadow and Night are similar words revolving around darkness, and they're both anime, so for whatever oh. reason, my brain, my brain decided that these need to be lumped together. <laughs> All I know about Call in the Night is that there's a bit, there's a page from the manga that I've seen where the vampire girl reveals her age and it's like, she's like 40 and uh, the guy's like, that's not that old. And she's like, I know, it's really embarrassing. <laughs> I'm just kind of middle-aged. <laughs> I'm like, okay, maybe she I should likes, watch uh, this or read this Street someday. Street Fighter Alpha 3. Yes, she likes Street Fighter Alpha 3. Uh, I have this in common with her. <laughs> nice. Nice. Uh... So yes, uh, that's that's one thing I've been doing. The actual thing that I've done this week is I have finally, finally, finally read uh, We Know the Devil, which is a visual novel from... It's like uh, uh, the people who made Heaven Will Be Mine, which is another like indie like queer visual novel. Um, uh, and uh, We Know the Devil is like very, very short. It's like horror. Um, about like three people at like a, like a summer camp or something. Um, the, the thing about We Know the Devil is it's very American. This, the, the shit that We Know the Devil is about is, like, you know, there's, there's relatability there, but uh, the whole, like, summer camp thing, I don't fucking know shit about that. That's not, that's, that's not Britain. Um, the UK doesn't really. have room for summer camps. So no, it's a no, no. vast territory. And the, the places where we do have room, it's owned by uh, weird lords and barons. <laughs> Um, and they would never let people, uh, quote unquote, have fun, um, on their land. Uh, so, uh, you know, there's, there's a lot in, uh, we know the devil to do with like, uh, like yeah. weird, like Christian camps. Um, right. This is another way it's very American. Um, is it's all about, uh, the, the, the thing that it's about is it's about three people and it's about how um it's kind of like the divide divide and conquer meant like psychological warfare that like society wages on people who are different um and you know if you if you want to be accepted you have to cut off people uh who are uh less normal than you um 
and it's, it's very, very short, very, very easy to read. There's like, there's like some, it feels like five, five, six years old in the sense that it's just like, just that little bit dated in terms of how dialogue goes sometimes. But you know, that's, that's, that's that might just be my taste. Um, but I, I really liked it overall. I thought it was very good. For instance, good. No, one, no one once talks about COVID. <laughs> well, well, <laughs> that. No one talks about COVID. Um, but uh, it's, it's, it's a little quippy. But that's how it is. Uh, I just think it's good. Uh, it's another one I'm crossing off my backlog list. I'm get, you know, getting started early. Uh, and I figured I'd play it as it's, as it's, the, month of, it's the month of horror. Yeah. Uh, I I need to play uh, both that and Heaven Will Be Mine. I have friends who have played both and like them a lot. Uh, one time, I don't remember how this exactly happened, but I ended up on uh, AV's stream playing Embon one time, and we kicked ass in a lobby for a bit, and then I had to go. That was a fun time. Nice. Sick. Yeah. Heaven Will, Heaven Will Be Mine has been more relevant lately uh, ever since that Halimede RP account <laughs> blew up. <laughs> truly uh, in, in the dying days of Twitter Twitter has birthed its strongest poster I'm so I love that account so much it's so great uh, Halimede being a, a character from Heaven Will Be Mine who is uh, kind of antagonistic and also a chaser <laughs> and so I had no idea that was an RP account yeah it was an RP account <laughs> And so there was like this incredible tweet of in character of me like T for T is like incest and it got out of like the normal social circles and like, everyone's like, What the I, fuck I know account, are you talking account, about? I, I knew that account blew up, but I was like wary of it just because like, oh no, there's a weird chaser account, but I recontextualized <laughs> as an RP account for so, It was so funny. Uh and her just doubling down. Uh, every opportunity on that bit i was just i was watching i was just so proud i was like damn <laughs> this is what it means to be a true poster <laughs> oh, truly giga brain content anyway that's that's all i have to say about we know the devil and next i will be reading heaven will be mine for real well i mean i say next it's not on my list of things to do right now i don't maybe yeah, I'll add it. You know, I'll do that next. I might as well. That's that's like me when I finished the visual novel the other week. I was like, well, next I'm gonna do this thing, which I'm not getting to for a while. <laughs> well, yeah. Uh, who wants to go next? I feel like I've been going after Red a lot in the past few weeks. Mel, what do you got? I I just assumed that was like the way we do it. Like that's. Well, I mean, we can make it the way we do it, but also I don't want to. I want to impose. Okay. Uh, there was no decision made during that conversation. No. <laughs> Rousing you go. Fine. Okay. So, uh, me and my ex finally finished Bochi the Rock, which actually turned out to be good timing because uh, the uh, fine abnormal ma mapping folks did a uh, beach house episode uh, talking about it. And uh, yeah, I had a really good time wrapping up the back half of that series. Um, the one thing about Bochi that I don't think I talked about last time, but basically my thoughts have not changed. It's a fun show, uh, makes me very nostalgic as someone who in high school one suffered from pretty bad social anxiety. Uh, there's a lot more other stuff going on, but social anxiety definitely did not help. Um, and two, my friend group, like if people had to give 
my group of friends growing up a clique name, it would either be the Skateboard Kids or the Band Kids, which is very funny because I did neither of them. Those just happened to be what all of my friends did. Um, like, Guilt everyone in that group... Yes, everyone in that group of friends was in a band except for three of us. Uh, it was extremely funny. Um, but uh, it, it brought back a lot of memories, actually, though, of, like, when they would do stuff for, like, events or, like you know, play somewhere and we would kind of get, like, drug along. Um, so that made me a little nostalgic. I had a great time. Uh, the one secret sauce I think Bochi has that, I, I mean, it's not, like, the most revelatory or innovative take on social anxiety or anything, but I think hits really good in the last arc there where they're playing at the school culture festival is the show makes it very clear. Nobody actually has a problem with Bochi. No, nobody in that entire show hates Bochi. It is entirely within her own head that people are judging her and think lowly of her or are going to think she's weird for things. And in reality, all of the unnamed characters that are just kind of around in school are just like, oh yeah, it's Bochi, you know, like... She's a little eccentric, but whatever. And that is so true to my lived experience and something that I wish someone had maybe ta taken aside uh, and explained to me when I was going through it in high school, because I realized way after the fact, like, you know, aside from, like, one or two times I had, like, the stereotypical, like, kind of asshole bully incident, like, nobody actually really hated me or thought I was that weird. I just kind of had hang-ups and just assumed people were judging me. Uh, so that that was just kind of like, oh, damn, the, the show really gets it. Uh, yeah, uh, I like the music a lot. Um, Bochi's fun. Uh, I, oh, God, is it Kita, the uh, yes. influencer girl? Yes. Uh, for whatever reason, I really latched onto her towards the end there. I think she's a ton of fun. Um, they're all great, though. Uh, like, they all have their fun little quirks and personalities. Uh, I, I love the little bit about Bochi lending so many people money and nobody paying her back uh, until they are forced to. Yeah, it is. But I mean, the... It's, it's, the, it's bassists. Uh, yeah. <laughs> That's how it is. Yeah. Uh, oh. It's... It's a fun show. I don't know. It, it's very good turn-your-brain-off material. It, it, honestly, it's good to watch with friends. The, um, I think one of the funniest things about the music that they made for the anime is that for all of Ryo's talk about, like, the individual identity of, like, not selling out, uh, it is extremely standard J-Rock, ex but sig specifically, they all have, like, really good bass lines. <laughs> <laughs> I think that, that's just, that's just quite funny to me. Um, also, if if you can, if you haven't watched this yet, I know I'm the last person to fucking watch Bochi the Rock. I've been living under haha, a rock. Um, I highly recommend, if you also have social anxiety, watching this with a normal-brained person who can jab you in the side or shoot you looks whenever Bochi has a Bochi moment. And it's like, yeah. <laughs> it, it honestly adds a lot to the experience. It was very funny. <laughs> you need to watch it with someone who's mean to you. Yes, actually, it's very fun. <laughs> uh, mean to you in the right way. If there's um, no friction in the show, just create it in real life. <laughs> yeah. Um, nice. The, the part where she is also a YouTuber... Uh... <laughs> did that hurt you? Did that, did that cause you pain? <laughs> a little bit in some places. Uh -huh. Uh -huh. Well, when we started watching this show... 
I can't remember what exact my my ex when when we were dating at the time. I can't remember the exact line she said, but she's like, "Oh wow, she has social anxiety and online fans just like you." Uh, it's coming for your throat. <laughs> yeah, I I needed to pause and walk around the apartment a little bit when that happened. Um, but no, uh, tragically relatable and very fun show. But but overall, very very fun watch. Like it's not like it's not like watching cringe happen on screen to the point of like oh god this makes me feel worse about my life it, it is a very wholesome show about like you know what we all have our little hang-ups and foibles and like sometimes making new friends and, and doing things can be a little awkward and hard but if you get if you if you allow yourself to be taken out of your shell it's gonna be all right and you know yeah that's just how it goes sometimes mm-hmm. um the the callbacks to other anime and manga things is extremely funny ashita no joe bit fucking incredible there's a bit where the ending of nausicaa just starts to happen and i fucking died um it's great uh the other anime thing i watched that at first i didn't really want to talk about but i kind of want to because i was surprised at how different of an experience i had with it uh, and I feel like maybe we should mark this section with a little red note saying when this starts and ends. Um, I finished season one of Gundam 00 and had a way better time with it than I was expecting to. If you want to skip Gundam 00 spoilers, uh, go to 25 minutes and like 30 seconds. And that was a show I already oh, liked. Yeah, Ooh, no, I really had a great time going back and revisiting that. And you know what I think happened? I sus- well, one, I was a liberal when I watched it last, I'm pretty sure. Um, Me so- too. <laughs> um, but two, two, um, I think as we, I feel like it can be seen, we have a tendency to accentuate things when we talk about media on the show. Like, you can, you can even hear it when we talk about, like, the, the Ultraman or Ultra 7 stuff or whatever, and sometimes we, like, key in on things and, like, we really accentuate it to, like, make a point or whatever, but sometimes that that process, uh, while makes the material more interesting to talk about, does so- sometimes fundamentally change my memory of things and, and reprioritize what was actually in the material versus, like, how much of it is just, like, oh, like, there's a broader point being made here that I can I can kind of you know, extrapolate or draw out from these things that were in the material and, and maybe highlight them a little more than the show actually is. Do you mean like how for the one episode where they carry a nuclear reactor by plane, we just call it the Alpinist episode? Yes. Yes. <laughs> um, it's very important. I, it's crucial to the episode. <laughs> so in my brain, I think that this show was a little goofier than it actually is as played out on screen. In my mind, Setsuna was a more serious hero, Yui, but I always remembered him being a little more over the top with the I am a Gundam thing. Um, Same with Alleluia and Hallelujah. I remember that being a little sillier than it actually is as as acted out in the show and as written. Admittedly, most of the silliness just comes from the name. Yes. Um... But I remember Hallelujah being a much more... I mean, he is a sicko, don't get me wrong. But I remember him being a much more ridiculous sicko in a way that, like, the world around him kind of, like, bent to his reality. And that's not the case at all. Like, when he's talking shit to, like, 
Mr. Fucking oh God, what's the ridiculous ass uh, Sergei Smirnov? <laughs> um, I love Sergei Smirnov. Yeah, honestly, great character. Um, I like I remember that stuff being a lot more weird or funny than it it was, and like no, it, like I actually just was like, oh, okay, no, this is taking itself seriously in a way that I, for whatever reason, just didn't expect to on a rewatch. Um, and the way that that show is about how we justify violence to one another and the framing of war and, and not just like, what does it mean to declare war or, or declare intervention in a conflict, but then also to how do people feel about that on the outside? What's the public opinion and what are the justifications we use to continue that goal or those ends that we have the ulterior motives but then also just like how do we frame it and how it looks and how people react to it uh, i had a very powerful moment where i finished this season and then i flipped to the news uh and i just saw the most heinous shit being said about you know current events that we probably don't need to get into yeah. uh, and well, just being like god I, you damn say, you say you say that we will probably be getting into it a little bit actually yes that's true that ultra seven stuff rubbing up against it um but it was just like a really profound like god damn like not much has changed in the past 20 years uh yeah, yeah. um I'm yeah. very excited to dive into season two. I've always been a season one person over a season two person. I know that that's a divide. I'm curious how I feel about season two now, though. Yeah. Uh, I've. Double O was like one of the first seasons I watched, and I considered it sort of like in my hard locked top three for a long time, along with X and Tournay. Uh, and I did find myself in the past year wondering if that's just like my memory fading, because I have watched all of UC Gundam since, and like whether Double O is just like a stronger show from like not knowing Gundam as well versus like more easy to criticize it's having a better understanding of, like what gundam earlier on is doing for instance but like you know i'm not i'm following along with ggp rather than like binging and all but like i'm just like really been enjoying my revisit just feeling like oh yeah i there is a reason that i put this at the top of my list it is just really that good and like feeling even better just also that ggp is also really enjoying it right now too i yeah i was going to watch along and then i was just like i don't want to stop <laughs> When I, f when I first watched Double O, uh, I really liked the second season. I was, like, shocked by how much I was, like, immediately into it. Um, and I was, like, kind of down on the first season. But my my thing is that one time I watched... The way I watched Legend of the Galactic Heroes was by making myself a rule that I would watch one episode every day. And, like, I've never watched more than one episode, but I w would watch one every day. Um, and That's so why I did Lupin. I yes uh and so I watched all of uh, Legend of the Galactic Heroes in like four months or whatever um and uh I was like oh that, that worked really well and then I don't know why it worked really well because I then tried to use this logic on ev on a lot of other things and every time I fell off or every time it felt like a chore every single yeah, time yeah that's that happens Damn. to me too like I, I have some successes and some cases where it just doesn't work like I still have to finish Kamen Rider Hibiki still and uh. so I really didn't like the first season of Double O the first time I watched it and now I'm watching it like two episodes a week and I'm like it's just fucking rules what was I on and uh, I realized <laughs> oh I was watching it an episode every day and I resented watching the show <laughs> so I was like resented that I was having to watch 25 minutes of Double O every day um, it's a very stupid way of watching anime. I can't believe I did that to myself. It, it may be uh, possible really that my way of consuming Lupin tainted how I feel about certain parts of Lupin. 
Oh uh, yeah, you mean like you know, uh, part, uh, part, but also part some two. of the stuff is just mid. <laughs> yeah. Would you say? You mean like part two? Yeah. Mm. I mean, part two is just not meant to be marathoned or binged. No. <laughs> and, and neither do <laughs> and neither is uh all of the TV specials. <laughs> there's a reason where i made up a loophole to just be like well uh technically cowboy bebop is a loopin and i can fit it in here (laughs) so you could have a good time yeah so i could just not watch it i need a break from watching all these movies uh yeah i'm i'm having a great time with double o right now um i what how at some point during like at the end of the first season of double o i tweeted something like who the hell are these characters and i posted four images and one of them was setsuna (laughs) 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 and uh but and then by the end of season two i was like oh this is like top five gundam boy um so uh now that i already like him again I, maybe there's residual like I like him later, uh, but uh, now that I like him now as well, I'm like okay, may, maybe yeah. maybe Double O cracks the top five. We will see. Yeah, uh, I uh, I I think I don't think it'll rank that high for me just because I, I mean there's so many things and a lot of this just comes down to like sensibilities yeah. and aesthetics. But like I like a lot of the UC stuff. Like I think too much for <clears throat> for Double O just mm-hmm. because of how it's like. I I think the idea of, like, the team of Gundams that are that strong, and I think the show is doing a really good, like, I think the show's handling of that as a narrative, like, arc is really good. But, but you're, it's ju- just you're just not fundamentally as... not into uh, Power Rangers Gundams. The team. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. I, I think that that is a point that a lot of the UC stuff is going to have. And I mean, realistically, there's not actually that much different. Like, between we have the one chip... Yeah, uh, like we have the one the one ship that has like the really powerful robots on it versus like them being their mo- their own independent faction or whatever. like it's it's not actually it's it's splitting hairs. But I, I appreciate the framing of it being part of a larger war between like a side that sucks that just happens to have the ship with the powerful robots versus like mm-hmm. we're out kind of more on our own doing, you know, like the interventions uh and also we were founded by the patriots which is funny uh, and good but just uh, uh all right not in my wheelhouse as much i'm gonna uh tag the the end of this uh uh unless we have anything more to say about uh double o uh tag like the end of this conversation so that i can just i'm just i'm just gonna warn editing self to like Tell tell people skip to the, skip to here skip to this many minutes. Yes. Yeah. Um. All right. Double O. Pretty sick. Yeah. Um. Uh. Well, I was gonna watch more anime, and then so here's what happened. It was my birthday this week. Um, and originally. I so it was not only my birthday this week, it was also a bad medical week for me. Uh, I spent most of it in bed with a bad leg, uh, being told not to put too much pressure on it. I'm fine now, thankfully. But uh, I first of all, I was like, oh, God, I can't really take off of work. But two, I was like, I'm going to watch so much fucking anime this week. Um, That didn't really actually end up happening. I finished Gundam Double O. I had like half of season one left to watch. Uh, I planned on watching more, but then uh, I got hit by uh, Mel Get the Chainsaw, 
um, Hollow Cure. <laughs> okay, the do you say Mel get the chainsaw? <laughs> I am yeah. also judging for this. No, <laughs> I thought I thought the Hollow Live would make it okay. Yeah. Uh, so my friend Trick uh, downloaded the Steam version of Hollow Cure recently, and he's like, "Oh wow, they added a lot." to this game since it first came out, which is when we he and I had last played it. So and I before, went, oh shit, just, I'll check it out. Just, bef- just before you say this, I just want to say, the guy who makes Holocure is so weird. Not, I'm not, this is not a call out, but <laughs> dude is so fucking weird. Uh, he does not want... Isn't he an animator on like Sword Art Online or something too? I didn't know that. That's <laughs> really funny. I, that, that's uh, what I've been told. I could be wrong. I don't, I do not know. He's, like, really opposed to crediting himself in the game. Um, he's, like, w- weirdly self-sacrificial about Holocure. I oh. do not understand. <laughs> um, but, uh, anyway, continue. Uh, so, anyone who does know what this is, this is What a Vampire Survivors, but with the Hollow Live ladies. Um... And uh, it's just really fu- it, it is direct dopamine junk food video game gameplay to the brain. Um, they have a stupid amount of characters at this point. Y- you look at the character select screen and it's a goddamn Smash Brothers like select your character screen. It's ridiculous. Um, they have four stages and then three hard mode versions of the first three stages. I have now cleared all seven of them. Oh, uh, so it has a second loop like a schmuck. Kind of. It it's 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 a little also, different than what, that. What about it? Kind of. Hey, Steam. If you're gonna have a shmup sale, don't make almost all of the things Vampire Survivors clones. This is not the same genre. <laughs> My friend Jake was literally complaining about this last night. He was like, "I hate anytime there's a shmup anything on Steam because it's just like, like." 50% of it is Vampire Survivors knockoffs. 25% of it is just games that happen to have shooting in them in some form. And then the other 25% is actual schmuffs. Uh, Steam categorization? Bad. W- Well-known fact. You heard us, um, Valve. Step your fucking game up. Yeah. We're, hold- <laughs> we're holding you accountable. <laughs> um... The the only other thing they added, you have a little house now that and fishing in this game as well, and you can customize your house and catch fish. It's they've added a lot. It's it's it feels uh, insane, like wild. for this kind of game. Not that I've really engaged with vampire survivors mm-hmm. clones in general, but just like yeah. I, honestly, like I've heard a lot of people who are really deep in the genre still be like, yeah, this is the best one, and like it it feels like that's not. You know, I think it's this is like the only one I've touched, and I think the only reason I touched it was I heard that like one for whatever reason I couldn't get Vampire Survivors running on my laptop, <laughs> which is oh, well, it's a very intensive game. Yeah, uh, and, <laughs> uh, and two, I heard that like the main mechanical innovation that this one has is it has like the strafe button, so you can like yeah, yeah. So uh, it's it's been a fun time. Uh, the other thing. I, I, one last thing I did, I started last night, uh, I, oh, actually, one thing I do want to say, uh, I, one of my friends who does not care about VTubers at all, uh, watched me and my friend Trick stream Holocure on Discord, and she was like, okay, this does look really fun, though, and then started playing and has not been able to stop, uh, and we both keep joking that this is how she gets into VTubers. And she's like, nope, not going to happen. We're like, mm. <laughs> we'll see about that. Uh, so that's been fun. 
Um, but the last thing I did, same Discord group, uh, I started streaming for them my run of Clock Tower, uh, the classic human entertainment horror point-and-click adventure game. Um, possibly considered one of the pioneers of the survival horror genre along with uh, Sweet Home. That is a very interesting game. Uh, I had to stop. Oh, okay. Yeah. I had to stop playing it because I got in classic puzzle game fashion, or sorry, in classic point and click game fashion. Uh, I just missed clicking on something that I've since learned from a guide how to get. And I was like, oh, okay. Um, but I was just walking around a mansion, West Wing, being chased by a man with big scissors. And I just got kind of tired of having to do that. Um, and I, I just kind of stopped. Uh, this does make me feel better about the take I've always had, which is that the genius of Resident Evil is that it is just a point-and-click adventure game, but then they added terrifying shit that can kill you that you have to awkwardly fight in between your point-and-click adventuring. Mm. Um, Blending the action and adventure game genres. Yeah. Uh, and, uh, yeah, the, the premise of Clock Tower is that you are one of five orphan girls who are being adopted... Uh, by the Barrows family, who live... I believe, actually, the game takes place in Norway, which I actually did not know um, before starting. Uh, but you play as Jennifer, and she's one of five girls being adopted. Uh, the person from the uh, the the home, uh, Miss Mary, is is guiding you to the Barrows estate, and she's going to like ha basically hand all five of the daughters off and... and they're going to meet their new family, and then they're told to wait in a side room, and then Miss Mary is nowhere to be found, uh, and the girls hear a scream. And uh, Jennifer, being our heroine, is like, well, I'm going to go check it out. Uh, things go bad very quickly. All of the girls scatter. The lights aren't always working in every part of the mansion, uh, and there's a little deformed man running around with uh, big scissors trying to kill you. And uh, it's uh, it's a spooky time. You have to... There's like a... I Honestly, I still don't exactly know how the chase and pursuit mechanics work, because the scissor man's appearance appears to be semi-randomized. Uh, with no real rhyme or reason as to where and when he shows up. But whenever you do, you have to drop everything you're doing and then find a place to hide uh, so that you can escape him and going back to doing your adventure game uh, puzzle solving. Uh, having a really good time with it. Very, very cool game. Uh, a lot more randomization than I actually expected. Um, I know for a fact that certain puzzles, the items you use and where you get them, are randomized. Um... And something, I, I learned this after the fact when I was looking up how to progress. Um, th like, in, for example, there's one side room that you can go into and you can look behind a curtain. Depending on what random seed you got for your run, there's either nothing behind there, uh, a staff that you need to give to a statue so that you can open a door, uh, or the scissor man will pop out and start chasing you. Uh, so it's a lot of stuff like that that keeps you on your toes. Um mm -hmm. There are multiple endings, A through H. I did get ending H, which is just a very obvious horror game thing where you end up in a little, like, side shed that has a car in it, and you can find the keys. And when you click on it, she's like, well, it would be a real dick move if I just left this place without making sure all of my friends are alive and okay. But then, of course, you can keep clicking on the car, and she's like, well, maybe I could leave and get help. 
I fuck it. I'm just gonna get the hell out of here. Uh, of course, the killer is in the back seat though, and then oh it my cuts gosh, to black. I could not yeah. have predicted this. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, exactly right. Um, I, I I did joke with my friends that I was like, what if this is just our ending of Clock Tower? But I decided to keep playing anyways. <laughs> um. No, it's uh it's it's a pretty cool game. And uh I I so I I remember I had played on emulator a bit of the PS1 game, like the PS1 version of this game a long time ago. Like I want to say it was even back when I was in like high school. Um and thinking it was pretty cool. Uh it, it might not have been that long ago. I actually I don't remember when the English patch for that came out cuz this game never technically came out officially in English. Every version of it that you can play has been fan translated. Um but a long ass time ago I played whatever version. Actually, I do want to say I I, I do want to say it was in high school. I don't remember what version I played though. Um but I I very clearly did not get far because quite quickly I got to places in the game that I just have no memory of whatsoever. Um, so it's been cool actually going through it for the first time, uh, and, uh, having friends, uh, help me out and, uh, we're all kind of doing a group effort to, uh, figure out where you can hide and get away from the creepy sisters guy and, and all that fun stuff. Uh, human entertainment made some very interesting games. I need to get back to Miserna Falls as well. Maybe this is just my ending. It's me, uh, finding out how you get good endings in the, uh, PC 98 Toho games. <laughs> still, uh, I, still still I, haven't, still I, haven't beat uh toho 2 uh but i am getting to like stage four without using continues so i'm i'm getting go. there on normal difficulty <laughs> look forward to uh three because that's a weird game oh oh okay I uh, I do always appreciate when games like sequels come out for games and then they're like, yeah, we're going to make this a sequel to not the perfect ending. Like when XCOM 2 came out, they were like, well, most people didn't finish XCOM 1. So by all accounts, the aliens kind of won if you think about it. Uh, <laughs> or um, yeah. the, the uh, Metro games, the second one takes place after the the bad ending of the first game. I think that's fun. Bad endings have more going on, is the thing. Well, yeah, that's, the, that's the thing. There's more problems to, to solve for a sequel. Yeah. It's natural. Near. Yeah. <laughs> Near's the easy one. Yeah. I am low-key a little... This is minor Dragon Guard 1 spoilers, I'm sorry. Well, okay, I, I'll keep this vague enough. An ending 4 of Dragon Guard, which by all accounts would be what the true ending would be, would, would it not be for the fact that the fifth ending that really was supposed to be like a joke, like half-secret thing, is as batshit as it is? Is uh, this the, the land of, of the gods? <laughs> yes. <laughs> the funniest life. Oh, God. Um... The state of Eva Four. The state of the world in the fourth Dragon Guard ending is kind of fascinating to ponder in the brain, and there's no story that takes place in that world, and that's always made me sad. Yeah, upside down Europe. Yeah, shouldn't have given uh someone else Dragon Guard too. Shoutouts to the fucking time that some asshole commented on that Dragon Guard LP. For when I showed that it was just upside down Europe, and they were like, "I can't believe you'd fucking spoil this for me," and I'm like, "It's it's, it's either a thing play. you notice or you don't." 
Yeah. <laughs> you're, you're watching Australian the game. That's the spoiler. What are you talking about? I'm not going to upload the episode that covers the finale of the game because it would be a spoiler. Shut the fuck up. <laughs> uh, YouTube comments are uh, a wonderful... A wonderful experience that I would not wish on my worst enemy. Mm-hmm. Wow. Uh, Mal, what you been up to? Okay, so for starters, I take it from Rez, you didn't watch a kaiju movie this week. Oh, fuck! God damn it! No! It slipped my mind! Okay, uh, I'll put that in my back pocket then. Okay. Uh, Rez's uh, otherwise... failure is archived for all time. No, just like last week. Yep. I won't be playing. I, I won't be playing it again in slow motion this time, though. Uh, otherwise, gotta be honest. I w- well, first of all, I, I was just slipped this uh, tweet by a, a, a fan, uh, which is pretty cool. Ooh, ooh! It's uh, it's Henri, uh, Henri's yeah. actress with a uh, Hiroko Sakurai. Oh, nice. Cool. Uh. Uh, but also, uh, I got a job. I'm employed now. <laughs> Uh, does that uh, mean you're bit... you're just busier? <laughs> yeah, yeah, I was busier this week. Uh, I did like, um, I did like two shifts in a row the past two days. Mm-hmm. Uh, where I was like, I woke up at six, uh, and I've in like my yeah, I woke up at six and had like an eight-hour shift, and it was a uh, you know. I feel myself in real time becoming this tweet. <laughs> uh, I wish I could know why you have so much violence and contempt in your heart. I work in a supermarket. Yes. <laughs> Absolutely. Uh, uh, but yeah, I work in produce, which means, you know, while all the kids are out here playing Suiki game on their phones, uh, I'm playing Suiki game in real life and getting paid. Uh, get on the grind set. Do you ha- have you had have you reached 3k? I pro- oh no. I'm, no. Not, I'm not counting how many fruit I'm stacking. <laughs> <laughs> you're yeah. getting, you're getting uh, points. You don't even know about your points. Never mind. Yeah. It's all fun in games until you uh, get the only points uh, I rocketed wanna, to the ceiling. The, the only points I want to count are uh, the check that goes into my bank account. Yeah. Hell yeah. I have a ship. Mel, there, Mel grind set arc. It's happening. I have class too. <laughs> I'm gonna be uh, busy. Good luck with the rest of your day. It does not sound like fun. Um, At least it's not an eight-hour shift. Yeah. Yeah. It's five hours. Uh, so but yeah, that's yeah. that's my week. I only had the kaiju thing. Uh, listen. I'm sorry. Some, <laughs> some, sometimes you have a job. There's, this is why I tend to only come with like one thing a week. <laughs> Some I'm just I'm just like I you know I I gotta work. Uh, all right. Well. Shall we get into Ultra Seven? Yeah, we got some. Yeah. We got fun. some a, a wide range of fascinating and different ways episodes to talk about. <laughs> yes. Yeah, and there's the first one. <laughs> <laughs> That's me editorializing. <laughs> so the first one is definitely uh, my shortest summary uh, this week. Um, a group of and the first paragraph excre- extremely skims over what is the actual important <laughs> content of this episode. Um, a group of Kappa enthusiasts. Oh, it's What's episode forty-one. Episode, right? Challenge from underwater. 
Um, a group of Kappa enthusiasts camp out nearby a lake where there have been Kappa sightings. Um, over the course of the night, they witness strange figures walking around and going in and out of the lake. They ambush two of these figures at last, and they turn out to be Dan and Furuhashi. Uh... The Ultra Guard are here to investigate strange occurrences that may be related to aliens. Uh, the Cappy enthusiasts are told to go home, and they wander off, some accepting the idea that the Cappers may might have been aliens, and others insisting that Cappers are real. Uh, alien or Kappa, whatever they are, they're real, and the enthusiasts are suddenly attacked by them. One of them gets killed, and the Ultra Guard have to take the situation much more seriously. They begin a full investigation of the lake, uh, but Dan and Anne are attacked and put out of commission. Uh, the rest of the guard initiates an assault on the ship in the lake, as well as the Kappa Kaiju that hatches from an egg. Um, Dan, chained underwater, manages to put on the Ultra Eyes and defeat the Kappa Kaiju as Ultra Seven. Uh, the kill is kind of cool. He throws the eye slugger underwater. We hear the slice and then uh, it comes back and the two halves of the Kaiju float to the surface. Um, anyway, the Kappa enthusiasts go home with... Uh, the one true believer insisting that the that real cappers are still out there somewhere. Um, Dan and Anne uh, drive their boat across the lake back to safety as the sick Come On Seven song plays. Uh, the end. Um, the content that I skimmed over in the first paragraph is that a decent portion of this episode is just these in th these kappa club guys uh, being goofy in the night. Yeah, like the first seven minutes yes. is just like the ultra card doesn't show up at all. Yes. And, like, the reveal of the Ultra Guard is, like, when they got caught on, like... Mistaken for cryptids. Yes. To be fair, Dan... Dan, you know, <laughs> mistaken, <laughs> strong word for Dan, but uh, Furuhashi, not a cryptid. Um, uh, Furuhashi cryptid. Uh, okay, I did see... So, I, I pulled up the wiki article on this episode on my phone because I... I didn't have the booklet around me when I was doing production notes, and I did see one fun trivia fact because of this. What is that? Uh, you know the you know the episode the the part of the episode where the Ultra Guard are like in their tent talking. Mm -hmm. uh, Furuhashi was supposed to have some lines, but I guess before they recorded that, because you know they had to record it late to get the proper lighting and all that, uh, they had gone out drinking, and Furuhashi was too drunk to deliver, or his actor was too drunk <laughs> to deliver his lines, so Dan's actor had to do it for him. King, king. <laughs> oh <laughs> uh, what a guy excellent i was like damn maybe sometimes i should get the wiki for the episode notes for uh um source uh the the ultraman wiki uh, uh we trust you kind of yeah uh thank you i don't need to post links to the wiki you know what it is yeah um the uh yeah i like the kappa club stuff i think once we get Back to just kind of normal Ultra Guard stuff. I think this episode kind of no nose dives into being kind of nah. yeah, it just exists. Yeah, I, I feel I like, like they a lot better. I wish they leaned into this being a fun-filled comedy episode more because I do think when that stuff is happening, like it's pretty it's pretty enjoyable for what it is. Mm -hmm. But like this should have been like the spoon episode equivalent for this show, right? Yeah, I like I uh, I like oh go ahead I like. I was just thinking of like the episodes of like Ultra Q where it was just like the kid focused ones where we barely slash don't even get the yeah. guys. And like, and mm -hmm. I know you got to have the Ultra Guard and at least Dan show up in some capacity because you need Ultra 7 in the show Ultra 7. Uh, but, you know, I do feel like I wish more of the episode was focused on the investigation by the investigation team rather than like switching to after like 10 minutes of being just a 
regular and not even that exceptional Ultra Seven episode. Mm. You could you could have had that reveal. You like you could have had that whole like unveiling. Like you could have had the real Kappa involved as well as um the Ultra Guard in their Scooby gear. Um, and you know you could have uh, drawn out the episode until you got to like much later in the game. The whole like them attacking Dan and Furuhashi. Um, I you know I don't know how how it would work, but I just I felt like from the first few minutes of this episode, I was like, oh nice, we're just getting an episode where the gang isn't really in it in it. Um, and you know the Ultra Guard's kind of just off in the background somewhere. They're gonna deal with the problem. Um, but yeah. Uh, unfortunately, uh, they get involved quite early, and it's just kind of, it's a bit dead. Yeah. I think another, like, five minutes at least would have been nicer. Mm-hmm. Um, it's also just, like, the stakes for the Kappa guys. I was like, one of them dies, uh, which I suppose that is the highest that stakes can get. Uh, but also, um, like, once the fight starts and everything... They don't bothered about it. <laughs> yeah, they, they, yeah, they're not really bothered by it. They're they're also just like, yeah. like their involvement amounts to, they drive away and it's like, well, you know, maybe Kappa are real and they're somewhere and it's like, uh, yeah, like, I was thinking, I keep thinking of like the reaction of like the girl, yes, because like the one guy's like, yo, so it turns out uh, Kappa's fake, uh, they're just aliens, and she's like, yeah, I guess that's true, and the other guy's like, <laughs> no, we just saw aliens, uh, Kappa are real, and she's like, yeah, I guess that's true. She's so fucking <laughs> done. She, I, I. I love that guy because they're like, uh, well, like maybe they're aliens and they're like, oh, you would think that science fiction author or whatever. <laughs> I can't remember what exactly they say, but it's, it's very part funny. of the anti Jun club, clearly. <laughs> this is what the uh, conversations looked like between Subaraya and Otomo. Yeah. <laughs> the, ki- the kind of person uh, willing to accept that cat girls are real, but not vampires. <laughs> yeah. 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 Uh, d- don't worry, Red. You'll get it eventually. <laughs> I don't get. It. <laughs> I, I have, I have pre, I have previously said somewhere I was like, my, you know, me at the job interview. Them asking what's your, what's your biggest weakness? Me, I would be the person in a horror movie who refuses to believe that any of this is real. Um, like, <laughs> ooh, that's a good answer like, for that like question. Vamp- no, it's not. But <laughs> Uh, no, no, that's fun. It shows your personality. It's that's a, that's a good that's that's a good quip. Uh, but I was just like, you know, someone could like someone could be drinking blood from my neck, killing me, and I'd be like, well, I mean, you know, it, you don't actually have to be a vampire to drink blood. You just have to be committed to the bit. <laughs> I- it, it it is funny in like a show where like aliens are established as a thing that are real and like people know about, and kaiju happen that someone's gonna be like, yeah, but this folklore isn't real. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, that is quite funny. Uh, I also just feel like the Kappa designs are kind of... Yeah, it's like, yeah that's a Kappa. Yeah. So, yeah it's, yeah, it's not great. Do, do, does the Kappa Kaiju have a name? Oh, so here's the thing. Uh, we have a bit of a Zedon situation where the Kappa aliens are called Alien Tepeda, Tepedo, and okay. then the Kaiju is also just called Tepedo. <laughs> okay. Yo! Okay. Uh, also, fun fact, uh, the original design for this kaiju so as part i guess as part of like their initiatives to do bring in more viewers they were doing like Mega Man style kaiju design contest oh uh and this episode and the one after uh have kaiju designs from the contest however the original design for the kaiju torpedo uh was not capital at all and instead it was more like 
a weird cyborg with blades thing. That's in the tat, the original design. Uh oh. Did you oh let's see this. Ooh. That's so cool. This is an SMT demon. Uh yeah. would you like to see what happened when Doctor Who held a, a contest to design a monster for Doctor Who? Yes. Okay. Extremely. Okay. Oh. There you go. I'm the guy in the bottom right. I, 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 I hate that my first response to this is, oh, of course, a British person designed this. <laughs> it was a small child. It was a, it was a, it was a Blue okay. Peter contest. But if you don't, okay. I, I realize I'm, I just said the words Blue Peter. I don't know that anyone outside of Britain knows what Blue Peter is. No, is that a code word? You know, is someone going to get activated? <laughs> <laughs> no, Blue Peter's a TV show for children. Don't worry. Okay. They have, they're like, oh, anyway. It's been around for decades. They have dogs. I, I, I realize this is ridiculous. Anyway. Writer, director. I haven't done that yet. Yeah. Production notes. Uh, directed directed by Kazuho Mitsuda. Written by the man who brought us the Pegasa and Super Weapon R1 episode, Buzo Wakatsu. This is not your best work, mate. <laughs> uh, I think I... Okay, maybe I... Mm. I don't know if I would put this or Suspicious Neighbor above that, because he also wrote that one. I would put Suspicious Neighbor above this. I think there's... I, I, despite I, the for, complete for, for unhinged... What it's worth, yeah? For what it's worth, Alien Icarus is a better-looking suit. Yeah. Mm -hmm. You're not wrong. Um, uh, I believe there's one other episode I'm forgetting about that he wrote. Let me look. This is why we need the spreadsheet. Yeah. Oh, I got the. the little, oh yeah, destroy earthquake epicenter X, which is the one with the uh, the fake Daft Punk guy. Uh, I like that episode yeah, a lot. That one's alright. Yeah. Cool. All right. Um. Do we have anything more to say about this episode? It's a little bit light. Um. It's probably. Yeah, for I the, didn't hate it, but I was just kind of like, yeah, that was whatever. I I can okay. I will say this is the one episode where I was like, oh, I can definitely feel them trying so hard to get the kids back. <laughs> yeah. Uh, the next two episodes are not. No, they're not. It's yeah. I was gonna say yeah. it's probably for the best that this episode is kind of light because we got two episodes now that are not. Um. Let's get on to episode 42. Oh, just before we go. Oh, uh, go ahead. The scene at the end with Dan in the casual fit, uh, boating with Dan, is good. Yes, it is. Uh, which will segue us into the start of this episode. Yeah, um, episode two, Ambassador of the Non-Malt. Um, Secret E-Day is stationed at the underwater station Seahorse, which is humanity's first step towards establishing cities on the seafloor and extracting its natural resources. Uh, Anne and Dan are hanging out at a beach, just going full beach episode, where you can see the surface part of Seahorse, um, like from the shore. Dan is really into spearfishing this week. He is. Uh, and a boy with a mole on his uh, left cheek, left cheek, stops by to tell Anne that the seahorse must be stopped, otherwise something bad will happen. The boy leaves and Anne's like, weird kid. And Dan's like, who was that weird kid? And Anne says, yeah, he said something bad will happen if... We don't stop the seahorse, but I don't think anything bad's going to happen. And then the seahorse <laughs> yeah. station immediately explodes. Oh, yeah, I tweeted this segment. It was on the main account. It's pretty good. <laughs> I did laugh when this happened. It was it's so it, quick. It's such, it's such a good moment. 
Um, up, up there oh, with the, up there uh, one with thing. The... Oh, go ahead. I was just say up there with Zeta. Where's cats? Oh, he's fine. Don't do this. I um one thing I guess worth noting is that I do feel like actually we are still in the thirteen 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 batches except. I think that two-parter kind of, th- like, there was a batch of 14 in there last time around, because yeah, I feel like it is worth noting, Anne's hair is v- much longer for these yeah. episodes. I feel like, I thought, I, I don't know if there's maybe a wig involved, but, like, yeah, there's just, like, the, it's definitely, I think, there's a 13, 13, 13, and 10, roughly, but also there's some fudging around, kind of. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But I, I did notice, like, oh, damn, like, clearly there's been yes. a gap, because uh, Anne, Anne's hair is very different. Yeah. Back at base, the Ultra Guard have received a message from the same kid. Uh, humanity must not attempt to exploit the ocean floor, as it belongs to the non-malt. Uh, Dan's a little confused about this, as non-malt is the word used in the Land of Light to refer to humans. Uh, Anne has an idea for finding the kid, and they investigate a local school, going through every boy of about the same age with a mole on his face, but come up with nothing. Uh, they then meet the boy again, by coincidence, his name is Shinichi, and they ask him about the non-malt. He explains that the non-malt inhabited Earth long ago, before humanity invaded, and drove them into the sea. Uh, he warns them to leave the seafloor alone, and Anne is like, You're a human like me. Being a human, I'm an ally of humanity, and the seahorse is a precious resource. Uh, which is uh, the most honest moment in this whole TV show. <laughs> uh, <laughs> yeah. Uh, there are then reports of like a kaiju attack. Uh, the Ultra Guard handles it just fine and conclude that kaiju that that kaiju must have been the non-malt. Problem solved. Uh, but they get a call from Shinichi later, and he's like, "No, not the mon- not the non-malt. That was just a sea monster. Monster uh, L plus ratio. Uh, also, the real non-malts have captured the British nuclear submarine Gloria and are going to use it to attack humanity." Uh, during the submarine's attack on a seaside town, uh, displaying technology that I do not think any British submarine has with, like, rotating missile launches, which is very yeah, funny. I was, I was, I saw that okay. specifically those, I was like, are those real? Is that a thing that ships have? AG Super, <laughs> AG Super I's, uh, idea of British technology comes from Thunderbirds. Yeah. <laughs> He's like, ah, oh, we need to show that this is going to be a real problem. Uh, make the make the nuclear sub British this episode. <laughs> oh man, uh, brains designed that submarine. Oh, um, imagine how good the crossover. So actually, one thing, Thunderbirds related. When the when the base does blow up, I was like, oh, this is just like the episode of Thunderbirds I watched. Yes. That was also like a water base. It's happened. But, uh, it's, it's happened to you too. Let's go. <laughs> yes. Yes. But. Imagine me just for two episodes in a row inventing crossovers where none exist. Imagine how funny it would have been if they were like, oh, no, uh, the non-malts have captured whatever the submarine Thunderbird for. <laughs> I would love it if they had if they called someone on like their futuristic video phones and it was a puppet. <laughs> <laughs> and they just talked to talk to him like it was just a, just a, a human being. <laughs> I would... Oh man, what if there was an? Oh, what if there was an invasion of uh, aliens who are who are super marionettes? <laughs> that would be amazing. <laughs> anyway, um, yeah, back to this summary. Uh, um, where was I? Something about submarines. Yes. Uh, yeah. Gloria starts attacking during the submarines attack on a seaside town. The Ultra Guard fight back and pursue the sub. Meanwhile, 
Dan attempts to transform into Ultra 7, but Shinichi keeps interrupting, like, going, you know you shouldn't. The non-malt are weaker than humanity. The seafloor belongs to them. And Ultra 7 says he must fight. It is his duty. Um, he fights the returned sea monster kaiju from before, while the Ultra Guard destroy the submarine. They then find the non-malt underwater city, and the captain's like, this is probably, a, like, a base for staging an invasion yeah he he's he's doing the gears in his head to reject the idea that this is just like a city of people who have lived there for thousands of years and he's like oh it must be an alien invasion face yes uh, like, like just... honest to god mental gymnastics to justify atrocity yes it, it's and fascinating he convinces himself of this as they are leveling it wiping out the non-malt for good um with glee with glee uh yes dan there is like there is a note of uncertainty in like the celebration but it is overall there's like there's like yeah we did good today well yeah the 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 music uh is not agreeing with kirama's position (laughs) yes yes unlike that one time where the music was playing like like hero music for when we destroyed r1 um not r1 the kaiju uh Giron. yeah that's the one um yeah this time uh uh someone someone called the the audio guys and were like make sure to play like sad music now please <laughs> uh dan and Anne later discover shinichi's grave uh was his ghost mm-hmm. and Am- no- notably just like everyone is partying on the beach except dan and Anne, who are extremely not having a good mood <laughs> yes like, oh, yeah no, um, no. <laughs> they discover a woman mourning at shinichi's grave and she's like yeah he died ages ago his name was shinichi and uh they're like was his ghost an ambassador for the non-malt were the non-malt really here before humanity uh the end the answer is yes <laughs> the answer is very obviously yes the, the, the narrator yeah. itself says well the non-malt are all dead now so we'll never know yeah like I, honestly i was just like oh shit what a note to end this one on where it's like well they're gone this will forever be a mystery to humanity it's like jesus christ um also the the sh- when the realization dawns on dan and ann about the fact that that kid was a ghost like very good just like very like loud like thudding cutting back and forth between their expressions mm-hmm. in the grave uh yeah really well directed i i i liked this ending quite a bit yes Kate plays a mean ocarina by the way wait what he plays a mean ocarina by the way oh yes yes yeah. he does um so uh last week we invented a soundbite uh for when yeah. ultraman does a goofy genocide oh we're not playing it this week because this ain't yeah, goofy yeah. <laughs> yeah this is i, I like what i watched this episode and immediately felt like guilty about doing this soundbite because i was like uh this is fucked up yeah um oh, also like, also like, worth noting last week i have discord sound features turned off so i did not hear when mel played the soundbite and was informed after the fact that she had played the soundbite uh that's why i had no reaction it was very funny <laughs> uh yeah because watch that like yeah to, to speak through like us we joke about like the quote-unquote genocides because it's like there is something d- like d- patently... divorced from rea- yeah like there it's is divorced like... from reality okay. and it's more like the writers are doing something in like a particular mode that is of the era that like us looking at it now is like this is an evil thing that you don't know you wrote to be evil because like us 
in the mm-hmm. year 2023 is like this is a genocide whereas the authors are just like the writers at the time were just like oh yeah they were just they just fight the evil uh they beat the evil aliens yeah, and they, like they, do they, some they, old testament judgment on it shoot, shoot very the brazenly they're like it very brazenly they they do not care about the thinking about alien life as like that is a person mm-hmm. you know yeah. they, they are fully capable of and the the like full personhood the ideology that this suggests is interesting to talk about and also at a distance uh funny um and there's like a uh but this where it's like very consciously leaning in to uh the main characters are committing like an atrocity um yeah like this is like this isn't like oh lol the writers walked into doing genocide isn't that fucked up yeah uh, and us laughing at how fucked up that is this is them actually depicting genocide as historically happens and happens to continue to this day <laughs> and it's like we can't joke about that because it's just like you know joking about real fucked yeah, up like, like as as you yeah. know as as we speak right now uh there is a land grab happening um as israel attempts to just like grab the north section of gaza uh and yeah. you know and, millions and, and, of people's clear, lives are they're under threat and, and to be clear this still happens in the settler colonies in the americas too like yes. they're just out of sight out of mind because there are a lot less indigenous people because of mm-hmm. the pre-existing centuries of genocide that's yeah. still happening so it's you know it's um so uh so there is so first of all i haven't played the soundbite but there is also something to say is like i don't necessarily think this go this goes on the counter i do because i don't think it's the same thing <laughs> Yeah, I mean, technically speaking... Yeah, it's I, fundamentally different from what we've seen before. Yeah, te- technically speaking, I put Pegasa on the counter, even though it's also, I think, in a similar headspace. This is true. this one. This is so true. I, 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 in terms well, of, like, if we're counting the raw number of incidences, I guess. Uh, then this would count. We will, we will, put, counting, we will like, put it on the counter because mode. it is, I suppose, it does cumulatively add to how ridiculous it is how often genocide happens in the Ultra series. Um... But yes, this week is very much uh, yeah. leaning in. I have, yeah. I have a now. I'm not saying that we're skipping to the end of this conversation, uh, but I want to get some production notes early because I, I don't have a cold shot, but I know okay. that there's. A, I know I, I I know the writer, and I am looking forward to talking about. That. Yeah, so I know often whenever there is a writer who every time he's come up, uh, his heritage has come up. Uh, and I'm wondering if it's the same guy. Who wrote this? Oh, I wonder. Uh, Tatsuo Kinjo. That's the guy from Okinawa, right? Yes. Yes. <laughs> Makes sense. Makes sense. Who, who, who would have thought that maybe uh, a guy whose people was colonized by the Japanese and the Americans would have opinions on colonialism? Yes. Uh, so that makes perfect sense to me. Um, it's uh, one of the all-time guys on these series, I would say. Um, yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Very, very important name. I think uh, this is. I like. I say. I think the most like. There's a degree to which some of the. Some of the stuff towards the end is like framed as like a mistake. Like it. Like it, it is. They're still talking themselves into it as like, the like, the self propaganda like like propaganda like them convincing themselves that they're in the right is like yeah is its own that's like i think a thing. difference between this and pegasa city where it's like yes uh the, the mutual mistrust whereas in this case is clear like mistrust in like a self-serving 
mm-hmm. colonial way where it's yeah. like explicitly like we want the sea for its resources and these people are in the way and the fact that they might potentially have a right to this territory is inconvenient for us yeah and the bit the bit where Anne is like like not like not um not dismissing the idea that the non-malt have a better claim to the to the bottom of the sea right where faced with the idea that the non-malt have a better claim to the bottom of the sea she says right but i'm a human being um and humanity needs those resources is like uh such like a brutally honest uh uh, moment in this episode i was like damn okay (laughs) no that stuck with me too just like the the flat out like i don't care (laughs) well fuck you i don't care i like my people are owed this is it's so raw uh in an uncomfortable way <laughs> yeah like the way that it's like oh yeah like the sea is a second hometown for earth or will be kind of thing and it's just like uh mm-hmm. yeah like it, it's just like yeah i guess the thing it's just like this is literally just settler colonialism as you know it yes um absolutely like also uh I want to say uh, I, the the sea monster is kind of unremarkable this episode, um, but um, uh, the sea monster kind of existing so that Ultra Ultra Seven can fight it. Um, but uh, the yeah. uh, the thing where like Ultra Seven, you know, he's like, well, I have a I have a duty to protect like humanity, um, and you know this this you know. It's the the crossover, like the the desire to uh, protect, um, crossing over with not having the full context for uh, who is the aggressor, um, which I I you know I just think is maybe important to bear in mind. <laughs> yeah. I I love that the kid immediately as soon as like he pulls out the ultra, he's like the non malt are so much weaker than humanity. Yes, and you're like, it's it's. Yeah, Th- this yeah. episode goes so far above and beyond in terms of it's, discussing this issue than anything we've seen before. It's interesting, it's interesting, like, seeing Dan in a position while also comparing to his position with Pegasa. Mm-hmm. And, like, maybe it's, like, contrasted with, like, the way that, like, one, that's, like, early in the series, and so maybe you can, like, mentally extrapolate a character arc, which probably isn't really true for this kind of show, but, like, mm-hmm. um just sort of like it it's easier for him to like pin the blame as like an aggressor in this case uh and just yeah. go along with earth even if it's the wrong thing right um it's uh i believe blazer wouldn't have done this <laughs> yeah <laughs> um yeah yeah um I, I also on the subject uh I s- one thing I just felt like I just wanted to push back on from the show is just like Shinichi and like I get why they're doing this uh, but Shinichi is like oh this is just what humans do kind of thing like all humans oh, do yeah. this and and it just what well, makes sense in the episode uh, I kind of just like dislike it just from the sense because he was like it feels like it's playing into like sort of the Human, the human, the human humanity and is a plague. people who did the colonizing. Yeah, the people who colonized and people who did the colonizing are like the same, and it's just like the way they're like 
they'll bring up like, oh yeah, uh, native people did violence against each other, or you know the Aztecs had their sacrifices, and that's why it is okay that the Europeans came in and colonized them, or like, mm. the, or the kind the... of thing where it's like, uh, you know, decolonization and land back is like, oh, the colonized people are going to do to us, the colonizers, what we did to them, and therefore uh, we are justified in maintaining the colonial state for our own security company. And uh, was like, yeah, I the basically the idea that like all humans colonize, even the ones who were formerly colonized, it mm-hmm. just kind of feels like it leads into the justification for existing colonial structures. Pre- yeah, I would, yeah, I would say in the in the context of the show being set yeah. in like a, you know, I yeah, I can definitely see that. I think the, I think how they get there, how Kinjo gets there is like this setting is like a, um. Uh, is like a unified um yeah uh, earth and like government presumably um and the well with the oh uh, go ahead with the aliens like serving as like the metaphor it, it becomes like this you know it, yeah it kind of necessitates the conversation being like about uh humanity versus non-malt um, yeah which uh kind of like in this like pulpy way uh doesn't get into like the actual uh, specifics of actual human history uh, in the way that you know something like maybe more. You know, I don't. Know. I'm all, all afraid to use the word serious, uh, but um, something like a little like this is a this is a twenty like five minute episode of theoretically kids TV. I know as it goes on, it veers more and more towards being like an adult audience. Yeah, this one is definitely more adult audience oriented, I think. Mm-hmm. But it's still like a pulpy sci-fi superhero story. Yeah, yeah. It's and like, to be clear, I don't think like, show. I don't think Kinjo himself necessarily had this view. Oh, yeah, or yeah, like, yeah. this is the position the show has. I'm just like saying, this it's, is the thing It's an interpretation in show, you can have. And, and I want it, to... It's one of the things where the metaphor that they're using, things are, because of how they go about it, things are going to uncomfortably aligned like yeah. or fall like, into stuff like, to, like that point out which like it is not human nature it is mm-hmm. systems that are doing things mm-hmm. and like they're human driven created and driven systems but also because they're like systems they can be like dismantled or there are alternatives mm-hmm. yeah it's not it's not actually an inevitability of human society um it's just that it's um uh you know it's a it's a particular mode that's popular at the minute, uh, and has yeah. been. And like, and like in this episode, even like the non-malt aren't going to like conquer the earth. They just want the humans to fuck off from the sea. Mm-hmm. Yeah, which they were driven to by uh, humanity at some point. Yes, I, the, um, the, this is the other thing about the episode that I think is is uh, good is that uh, the non-malt already lost uh, a conflict like this. Um, is, yes, they lost the land. Is that like there's you know it's the it's the whole like. There has been there has been like a there has been like a settlement there has been a um there has been like a uh, a status quo with like quote unquote peace between the two um where the non malt have settled for having the bottom of the ocean and humanity is now encroaching again um and you know this is uh people talking about like uh, indigenous uh, people in America they talk about the treaties uh this is the this is the history of North America. <laughs> Yes. Um, yeah, part of the reason I wanted to talk about that is because I this this goes back to something that I've been 
thinking about a lot. If you go back to the episode where we talk, where this first comes up and we talk about the Baltans, I explicitly use the word xenocide versus genocide because I do feel like there, and this is, I mean, this is a conversation many people have had in many different forms. If, if that just, if that differentiation is even worth making and, and the way that those two things are different, you know, one being that genocide is within the human race towards other groups of people where xenocide is explicitly humanity versus alien life forms that are also capable capable of sapience because the dynamics do change and i feel like because the way that the writers use the non-malt's prior existence on earth a lot of that gets massaged into the material where it's like no like we are we are positioned to think about them as we would other people and that I feel like allows this episode yeah. to go so much further than it otherwise would have been able to with the other stuff we've seen up to yeah. this point, because it's not as easy to look at them and go, oh, that's just a, a villain in a suit. Yeah, and I feel like that's probably also true of like the Bagasse episode, where it's like a clear that a wrong is being done. Mm-hmm. Yes. Uh, as opposed to like the Boltons or Alien Zampa, where it's just like, oh yeah, we shot the invaders, uh, yes. ripped to them. Uh, we, we will get, you know, when it's when it's Ultra Seven turning the giant ridiculous uh, interplanetary ballistic missile 180 degrees to go back to the alien homeworld just because that's what you do, uh, I will continue to put the soundbite into the into the show because it is ridiculous. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Uh, like we'll keep count, but like you know, we're obviously we don't want to like treat actual yeah. genocide as a joke. Yeah. Because this is it's a, fucked up and evil. This is a hell yeah. of an episode. Um, uh, who directed it again? Sorry, because I, yeah, I, I, I wrote it. Yeah, we did talk about the director because we we're so excited about the uh, yeah Kijo connection. Uh, the director was Kazuho Mitsuda. Nice. Okay, these uh, was, again th- th- half of this fucking show yes. feels like. <laughs> uh, <laughs> so. We should also probably talk about like the other parts of the episode because <laughs> we only talked about the themes and ending, which is like you know the meat. But what's like, the what's so yeah that was like the main stuff that I I had what. What's the other What's the other stuff we want to pick up? Uh, I like the part in the beginning where they're doing an investigation in civilian outfits, and Dan is just like tossing a hacky sack around. He, I completely uh, like... missed this. That's so cool. I gotta go back and see that. And, and being completely buried in sand when the kid finds her is very good too. Yeah, uh, yeah. I told. I was like, "What the hell's happening? Happening here?" It's <laughs> like, "Oh no, it's, she's hanging out." With it's the beach. so funny to me because this is one episode. Another episode where we find that like the Ultra Guard are like superstars. Uh, at least of the children. Yes. And it's just like one of those oh, funny yeah. things. And it's just like, I have to wonder what precedent there is for this other than just like, oh yeah, this is the kid's show where this is the kids meet a hero. Obviously, they're like the ultra guard. But I'm just like, is there a real life parallel to this? Because we saw this with the SSSP too. Mm-hmm. Uh, kids I, are crazy about the pointer. Kids are crazy oh, about the pointer. Speaking, speaking of kids, can I say one thing that I did kind of think was a little cringe Go ahead. with this episode sure at the end the mom's like he just fucking loved the sea he loved everything in the sea everything <laughs> in the ocean i'm like i feel like it would have been better if it was just the child can see what the adults cannot and they didn't need to you know what instead I mean? of being completely ocean pilled <laughs> yeah it's just like i would have liked it a lot better if it's like no the kid understands you shouldn't kill people you know uh, but instead they make uh, it be like no he just he fucking loves everyone in the ocean like tornarita says you can't lie to children yeah can't lie to children this is yeah he sees the truth um damn that was a fucking good episode yeah that's really yeah i i i was 
honestly shocked we got this in the third Ultra series that we watched. Yeah. Like, I'm... something to this level. Yeah, this is... Ultra 7 just is different. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. I I'm, I'm, can't imagine what the future seasons we're about to get in the show era are like, because it's just going to be a different era. Mm-hmm. Oh. And Ultraman's returning. Yeah, Ultraman's returning. <laughs> uh, we don't. We don't know. We don't know what Return of Ultraman will be like, or how I, much like Ultraman will be. Ultra- I do think it is funny that just like in terms of characterization, everything we discussed about, like we talked about how like terrifyingly omnicidal fucking Ultraman is, but actively like much more alien yeah, yeah. life has been lost in Ultraman. Like, to, be, to be clear, like the Bolton episode is shocking and is where this bit started, but it's like the one case where this happened in Ultraman and then like Ultra 7 is just like multiple versions of it. It's just often not Ultra 7 doing it. It's so just the, the SSP. It's, no, the TDF is usually the one doing it. Ultraman. Yeah. And Ultraman. I mean, th- this is Ultraman comes to meet Ultra 7 to congratulate uh, congratulate him on his wild record for how many aliens he's wiped out and Ultra 7 finds Ultra 7 sobbing. Like, you are above even the boss. <laughs> like, you're by I think the only time I can think of, like, if we're counting it, we are counting it because it's funny. Yes. Uh, we are counting the miss last week because it's funny. That's, like, the only thing I can think of where Ultra in, Ultra 7 actually did the thing. But mm-hmm. all the other times, it's just been, like, TDF guys doing it. Mm-hmm. And Ultra uh, 7 happens to be assisting, yeah. Yeah, or he's just there. Yeah. Uh, the, I... the, the frequent. I suppose this is a point that. The frequent, like, impotence of Ultra 7 as a hero to stop that is, like, actually kind of interesting, now that I think about yeah. it. Yeah. We'll have to reflect, like, but the thing, the thing with me is, is it, is it that or is it complacency? Because I almost feel like that's yeah. more the angle. I guess it depends on the episode. Like, in the, I feel like the Pegasa episode, it's more like, th- th- this is a bigger issue than he himself can solve. Mm. Like, like uh, he, he, whereas, has, he has power. I would, I would argue, Go ahead. based on how next episode goes, this episode is a case of complacency. Yes. This mm-hmm. is this is an episode where he could have intervened to stop this. Um, uh, instead, yes. he was, instead, he just transformed on the side of the people. Yeah. And the, the Pegasa episode is more about, like... Like, like he has the power to transform and fight things, but also like that's not that's not gonna save anyone right now. <laughs> yeah, you can't. He can't move the fucking city. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> and push it somewhere else. <laughs> he can't charge counter crack. Um. Yeah. Uh. Fucking. God, I I feel like I had one more thing to say about this episode, and I just there's so much I keep forgetting. Yeah. Oh no! What I was gonna say is I also do feel like this is just the result of Ultraman was less concerned about the aliens as people or like groups. It was much more singular kaiju focused. Yeah. So that is obviously I, this I is, when you extrapolate like, this, is, this sort of thing is gonna come up more in the alien focus show. Yeah, even like the aliens when they come, it just feels like it's a guy who shows up. Like even if it's like, oh yeah, there's our race attacking, like. In Ultra 7, it feels more like emphasize the fact that this is a particular, like, extraterrestrial. I should find, like, the word for geopolitical, but in space. <laughs> but, like, you know, this is like a state. Astropolitical. From another... Yeah, this is like a state from another planet mm-hmm. coming to do, like, war or an espionage. Whereas Ultraman kind of plays, like, even if it is, like, oh, yeah, there's an invasion plan from this alien, it does feel like it's more like just the one guy shows up. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, and maybe that's not technically that's not true for the Boltons, uh, but like, there's more emphasis of like Zarab and Mephilus as like a guy, even though they're like more like they're like ambassadors for the race in a way. 
Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, God, yeah. I'm I'm I just can't stop thinking about like one of the few early episodes of the show where I'm going on about how like I just tend to find narratives that involve aliens much less interesting because there's much less you can say. And little did I know Ultra Seven was behind me with the eye slugger pointed <laughs> at my throat. Yeah. Damn. Um They're 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 winning me over. I I, I do still fundamentally think that I prefer my science fiction to just mostly be about humans because you do like, I, again, like we do have the thing about like, oh, we then start making broad sweeping statements about humanity that sometimes can make things messy. I do In the process of the metaphor. I do yeah. tend to prefer sci-fi that's yeah. just human centric, but you know, which makes it curious. Uh, so we're still, we're kind of seeing like the shape of where blazer is going. Uh, yeah. Cause it's been a mix of the aliens and the space and earth stuff. And like, that's kind of like the norm for Ultraman going forward. Um, mm-hmm. to my knowledge, um, so I'll be curious to see how things pan out. Yeah, yeah I'm happy I've been won over on the alien stuff uh, more than I feel like I was at the start of this podcast. Do we have anything more to say about this episode? Uh, yeah, I'm just gonna share like the because the the kaiju in this episode was also from the contest. So I'm just gonna Ooh, share that image. Go for it. Let's go. Is, uh, Imagine being the kid who was like, oh, I'm going to put my funny little octopus guy in an episode and then see the episode and it's this. Apparently, shit. Like, <laughs> apparently um, those are in the original kids design. Those are eyes and they just were like, oh, let's just make an octopus. We'll do the suction cups instead. Uh, editorializing on the yeah. kind of design team. Yeah. God damn. God. Non-malt designs are kind of interesting. They um, are. Yeah. They are. I almost mentioned them earlier, and I, it didn't quite come up, but uh, we only get to see the non-malt a few times. Um, and, uh, yeah, I, yeah, you know, I, I like them a lot. Well is... Enough. I actually had a question. Is the face reused from Alien Spell? No, I'm looking at it now. They're different. Okay. Yeah. All right, well. If we're done with episode 42 uh we got episode 43 on our plate uh which hell which yeah. is called nightmare on planet number four this one's a weird one it's fun um the Whoa, ul- i wonder who directed it we'll see <laughs> <laughs> uh the moment they had like super super close up on a cop's face i was like hang on <laughs> excuse me <laughs> Are we back? I can feel it coming in the air tonight. Uh, the Ultra Guard is running a mission to test an automatic pilot for a spaceship. Uh, Dan and Soga, uh, who is Soga, who is revealed to be into astrology, by the way, um, are going to sleep through the whole trip as live test dummies. Um, but the ship veers off course, and there's nothing the Ultra Guard can do from Earth. Uh, Soga and Dan expect to be asleep, like, was it 30 days? And when they wake up, 40 days have passed. And no, it's it like, like 20 and then 30. 20 and then 30. Okay. Uh, and it seems like they might be on Earth, but they can't get in touch with HQ. And after exploring out in a nearby city, well, it seems like Japan, but something's off. Uh, the two get arrested in a strange incident and are brought before an official who has his attendant remove the top of his head and do some work on the gears he has in place of a brain. Uh, This official explains that this is planet number four, and here, humanity built robots uh, and then came to rely on them, becoming lazy until the robots supplanted humanity. Now humanity is subservient to the robots and their governing supercomputer. Uh, This 
fucking 60s supercomputer can see with like reels of tape everywhere it's so good can see 500 years in the future and has seen that within that time the humans on planet number four will go extinct they'll run out of humanity therefore they brought dan and soga to their planet so that they is it they use their spaceship somehow or the route they took to go colonize earth and bring humans back to this robot planet um because quote humans are an essential source of energy now whether that means that labor is an important resource or we're doing matrix shit uh, you know leave that up to interpretation uh in a truly Star Trek original series type beat, there's a reveal that a bunch of human extras getting gunned down for a drama were actually killed using live ammunition. And Dan and Soga are like, well, we, we should get the fuck out. Uh, <laughs> they are helped by the official's human attendant. Uh, she gets Dan and Soga to a human district. And there's a bit where they see four planet Earths in the sky. Um some humans protect Dan and Soga and they're going to be executed for it. But Dan and Soga intervene and when Soga is injured, Dan goes seven mode, he wrecks the joint uh, and the two escape the planet and head back home. Uh, back on their Earth, Dan and Soga are welcomed back, but they're both alarmed by the captain's insistence that the automation will continue to expand into every corner of their operations. Um, the test was a success. Yeah, the test was a success. <laughs> the base the base will just, you know, will just automate everything. Uh, the two go out for a walk and comment on the beauty of Earth and how humans encroach on that beauty every day. Uh, it doesn't actually feel relevant to the rest of the episode. Uh, they want no. they wonder what the weather will be tomorrow and flip a traditional wooden sandal to decide uh, the end. Uh, you left out the uh, part where uh, for like three minutes in this episode. Uh, ASMR roleplay, your executioner guard uh, is munching really loudly on a piece of candy. essential (laughs) to bear in mind for this episode that so much of it just has (laughs) this guy just chewing whatever he's chewing, gum or candy or whatever it is, um... And that's there's like teeth clacking. Specifically, there's like a clacking like hard. It's something hard. It's just running through significant portions of this episode, and it's like it gets under your skin. Yeah. Um. This is like I said. This is Star Trek original series coded to me. Uh. This is um, them like arriving in this strange like off, uh, like Earth AU. Um, and seeing its weird dystopian shit going on, um, is... Very weird that it's coincidentally also developed Japanese as a language. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. Um, the, uh, so yeah, the thing that I mentioned earlier in this episode is, uh, um, uh, last week, or was it the week before, we had an episode about how Dan was telling a kid that he has to trust technology, um, that the techno that he has to trust technology every day in his life uh, as a member of the Ultra Guard. It's funny. It's funny that the monster of the episode was a giant robot. It is funny that yes. the monster of the monster of that episode was a giant robot. And now Jisoji has returned, and in in an Ultra <laughs> show, in like this series that is just so patently like. 60s futurist just like absolutely oh we got a new device um and just being like we should stop we should not live in service of this <laughs> is uh is fun um would 
Would Ultra 7 be in favor of the butler in Jihad? <laughs> this is the question. <laughs> uh, so, yeah. I guess before we get into that, is there anything in particular we wanted to just, like, pick up quickly? Oh, God, Maybe- that guy's a mentat. <laughs> Uh, you might, let's just, Rory said it, Razen, just see if it's the production, guys, and then we'll talk about the episode. Uh, yeah, directed by Akio Jisoji, and then written under Jisoji's pseudonym, t- uh, Takashi Kawasaki. Oh, sick. And then also written by, uh, and then also written by, uh, Shozo Uehara. Fantastic. Nice. Man's back. Nice. Um, Bang. yeah. He, uh... I I don't think I like this as much as the well okay I like this more than the alien spell episode but the other just soji episodes he's done for uh, seven I think I liked a little bit more than this one but this one was still a banger mm-hmm. yeah alien metron is just really strong but like this one yeah it's very really, it's very good uh, the like the as the meat of this episode is just like uh just incredible distrust of science um uh as like a uh there's like you know, obviously there's, there's stuff in here about, like, the, uh, it's not a robot revolution story, is, I think, the, the crucial thing in this episode, is it's not, oh, no, the, the AI is taking over. It is, uh, it is about, um, uh, if we allow machines, if we allow ourselves to just, uh, live rely on machines in all sections of life um like we will come to live in service to technology as like like a uh, an idea um i i think that in the you know i do not there i i do not believe that technology itself has like a a moral (laughs) um it's like compass uh but i you know i there are uh doubts to be had about you know uh certain types of research in 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 terms of like you know who it benefits uh who has paid for this why does it exist etc etc um and like the, the questioning of like uh in like a show that is as devoted to technology cool uh as ultra seven and like the ultraman series i you know i I think this is a a pretty essential like little drop of doubt Mm -hmm. i it it, the one minor gripe i have but i'm also like this is one perfectly fine i feel like for the time all things considered and also too like the fact that this is a show for like kids ostensibly mm-hmm. is like i i i kind of wince a little bit when we do the oh it's because it makes people lazy and it's yes. like yeah. it's, yes that's kind of there's a lot more going on with that but like you know mm-hmm. we don't need to explain everything that entirely goes into like hey why do we have GPS? What was, what was that used to be used for? Oh, the military? Okay, you know, like, mm-hmm. that a little much for what this show is. Well, you're listening to this episode on the internet. Guess who invented the internet? The military. <laughs> yeah. uh, I did it, actually. It was me. Uh, they oh, they stole my research. Um, Damn. Uh, the, um, I'm sorry for inflicting the internet on the world. Uh, the, uh, the series of tubes. The... Obviously, 
I, I, you know, the best part of this episode is that it's, you know, is very inventive to look at. Is <laughs> fucking. I thought you would have liked the the part where uh, Soko's talking about astrology and that because the rocket's named Scorpion, he's like talking about Scorpio. He is talking about Scorpio, but I, you know, he knows more about astrology than I do, so he's talking about like things being in would, line with each would other. Soga and Graham Acker get along. Oh man, um, I don't think Soga's obsessed enough I, with Ultra I, Seven. I think Soga and. Graham wouldn't get along, but so good would. Oh my god! I I just think I, I just think like Soka would like to. Do I have to bleep that out? Like, <laughs> I think you do. I think you do. You probably should. Actually, yeah, you would. Come down. Soka just uh, so just looking just looking at his little dial, his astrology dial, and just going, yeah. A Virgo would do that. <laughs> the The astrology bit is so good. Uh, uh, I love how he's like, everything in the world has to do with heavenly bodies. We should know this as people who are like, you know, in, invested in space stuff. Yeah, yeah I, I kind of like the angle of just like, you know, giving Soga just this little bit of like superstition or spiritualism mm-hmm. and just being like, and not just like, yeah, yeah this is the science show and like about space. Uh, but also, you know, you can take, like, the mystic aspects of space and add it to a bit of a character. So he's like, yeah, you should be curious about the stars mm-hmm. a bit more. Uh, the uh, One of the other uh, essential, just, like, all-time moments of, of this episode is uh incredible moment where he takes the top of his head off. Um, and oh, yeah, yeah. it's just fo- it's yeah. just footage of wearing gears just pasted, and they, pasted yeah. into the wall. He opens his face, too, and again, his eyes... As well, yeah. Uh, fantastic uh, reveal on uh, just like oh, this guy's this guy's a robot. Um, yeah. Uh, also, just looking back to the superstition thing, I also like how it ties in at the end of the episode as well, where Dan goes along with the little mm-hmm. superstition game. For yeah, the weather where it's like the, like uh, what do you think is okay, going to be so tomorrow? I feel like there's a thing I'm missing here. What what's the deal with the sandal? Okay, so so I looked this up because I was like, this has to be like a, a thing that exists. Apparently, it's like a little game that kids do where like if you kick it, kick up a get a sandal up it in the air and it lands right side up it'll be sunny but if it's upside down it'll be rainy okay okay uh so that's a fun little i had thing. i yeah, had especially like, i had taken it i had assumed it was just like you could do this as a coin flip i didn't know it was specifically about uh the weather yeah that's cool uh it's fun like having like dan looped into that as well as like the person who is like <laughs> not, not japanese <laughs> yeah not japanese oh uh also Something I guess we we've discussed this before, especially regarding Jisoji's other work. But a lot of woman slapping going on this episode. <laughs> yeah, that does happen. Uh, yeah, it is helped. It is helped a bit yeah. by the degree to which it's like incredibly unrealistic. But also, if it was realistic, uh, it would be more uncomfortable. There's a there's yeah. a yeah. It like also just t- ties into the whole like you know she's a human and he's just like uh. Uh, he's abusing his human worker, um, but mm. yes, it is you know. It, yeah, there's a whole, he, sec- he does, a whole he... section where they get. Yeah, go ahead. There's a whole section where we get like we just watch uh, a firing squad on humans because like oh well they wanted equal rights and that's a there's lens. like kids in there too. Yeah, it's wild, <laughs> and that's also like not even counting like <laughs> they just watch a snuff film <laughs> basically. Yeah, uh, yeah. It's uh the the whole like the directors like walking by like oh we should get like even more extras next time. <laughs> Just, like really blow up. Yeah. 
Um, uh, like I said, I love that supercomputer. Um, the the whole like uh, the mo- the motivation here, where it's like um, uh, me me the libertarian being like, this is why central planning is bad. <laughs> um i i just i I love the whole um we can see 500 years in the future um like fairly recently it figured out that in 500 years there will be no humans left for us to spend (laughs) um yeah i I like it's good i like how the robot reasoning is like not to try and be sustainable but like to go find more humans mm-hmm. yeah the Which, the, you know, the idea again, similar yeah just similar to like hey like settler colonial capitalist mindset to be honest yes he does he does mm-hmm. specifically P- say yes i'm not libertarian yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. disclaimer mel's claim that she was a libertarian was a joke Please do not email in. If you haven't figured it out by now, we're pretty far to the left here. In there was there was earlier when you when you said uh, uh, I watched Double O back when I was a liberal. There was like a part of me that was about to make trying to find a, a way to get in to make the jokes. Like, oh, you're a Republican? I didn't know that. Yeah. Just... Um. The uh. If, oh. if 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 my bit about reading guerrilla warfare didn't clue you in. <laughs> Uh, the no, um, if, you, if you're a Republican, you read Art of War for some reason. <laughs> it's very, it's very important to know. <laughs> oh man, the the fact Age of the fact that the Age of Empires two uh definitive edition has like tutorials for like more meta builds for the multiplayer, and it's an Art of War tutorial. I'm like, thank God, the perfect level of stupid people got a hold of being able to make new age of empires 2 stuff that is so that is just pitch perfect art of war uh don't get surrounded dipshit and like damn i really could use this for my grind set (laughs) um so fire goes everywhere fire everywhere absolutely um the uh yeah i there's this like this episode is just like it's mostly tone and aesthetic. Yeah, there's no kaiju, and there's no kaiju. Um, uh, he there's just he just wrecks shit here. Uh, yeah, I yeah, there's, I like... there's no even like, you know, he takes his head off for a bit, but there's no like alien design. Yeah, um, there's like sort of like a. I like that they sort of like they do like the tease the idea of like oh it could be dream, but also they're like. Mm-hmm don't definitely go one way or another and like you still feel how like how affected dan and silk are by it yeah 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 this is true the the shot of the four earths and the horizon is also just that that really stuck with mm-hmm. me yeah uh, uh yeah i got i got some trivia on this episode oh go ahead Ooh. Yes, trivia yeah so uh first uh Jisoji was inspired by the french movie alphaville which is a 19 19- 65 new wave film okay uh, <laughs> uh, yeah uh where he was like damn it's cool you can make a sci-fi movie without like fancy props and just filming in paris <laughs> mm-hmm. and so he's like yeah i'll do that uh however uh so there's conflicting stories on this uh 
this episode was like paired with the script of another episode and there's conflicting stories I find out whether it's like Smith alongside it or he Smith a different he Smith this script first and got rejected so he Smith another one uh and then it was like okay so this one or the other one uh and the other script uh so I'm gonna say right now I'm gonna give you the TLTR version of this because uh in our final episode I want to do sort of an expose on the unmade episodes of Ultra 7. Oh, okay. Uh, and so I'll give you the longer version then. Uh, but uh, for this one, this, this the episode that they paired as like an alternative to this one. Because they were like, oh, we want a kaiju in this episode uh, instead of this weird new wave cinema sci-fi thing. Mm-hmm. And Chizoshi was like, all right, all right. So uh, you want, we'll, here's an alternative kaiju episode. Uh, the, kai, the episode's called uh alien 15 kaiju 35 uh we're gonna bring back every alien and kaiju in the show and maybe some of the ones from ultraman and ultra 7 and we're gonna film them all in one really big fight and speak really cool and give us a billion dollars oh my god <laughs> do it uh Holy shit. and then tbs was like uh, uh okay you can make your <laughs> new wave cinema episode please we don't have that much money that's so funny that's so funny oh, what a cool way to coerce <laughs> the producers into giving you what you want uh and then uh also the robot chief actor we've seen him in this show before oh who is he he's his actor is a masahiko nanase uh and he previously played the evil professor in the alien pro episode uh the one with the teleporter Ooh. oh yes i remember now cool hey he killed it that episode yeah killed it this episode yeah. Doing doing good work. This is uh yeah. Um the Al the Alphaville thing makes perfect sense. Um Have you seen that movie? I have oh, I yeah. have not I have not seen I've seen bits here and there. I have not seen that movie all, all the way through, but that it makes perfect sense. I yeah, I know of Alphaville. Um Okay. But yeah. Mm-hmm. I yeah, I I I think I've I have already I just I just think it's a cool episode. Um, yeah, it's neat. Cool tone stuff. I also realized I just said the I didn't like this as much as the other Jisoji episodes, other than Alien Spell. This is just the third one, so I guess this is the direct halfway point for mm-hmm. me. Yeah, I mean, but I mean, you're also comparing to like Ultraman, right? So I yeah, I feel like I I kept thinking for whatever reason some of the Ultraman episodes were in Ultra Seven, but the damn, he really wasn't on Ultra Seven for long before yeah, he... they gave him the boot. Uh, they were really mad about Metron's table. Which <laughs> is still the funniest thing to me. They're like, that's the thing they're mad about. They're making like a Metron like statue, and like I've been debating, like, do I want to buy this? I kind of want to buy a, it. He's a classic guy. He's he just looks like a funny little hot dog man, and I need that in my life. I will never get over um, realizing that when Mel, when you told me that they kind of. That they deployed Jisoji to make cheaper episodes, and I was like, "What do you mean? The episodes look better than all the other episodes." <laughs> so what are you talking like, about? Hey, let's look look at look at this episode. <laughs> they just like filmed a TBS. Yeah, basically. yeah, I, yeah, I, yeah. If, like the moment you think you step back and think about it, you go, "Oh yeah, right. This is extremely cheap." But uh, you know, that's like yeah, so. I, when, I think when your about brain the, is the set piece galaxy, the size. set piece in um, the Metron episode with the like erupting out of that building, like that whole like neighborhood that they built, and then the weird just like globe sun that is like really close and is clearly just a light. 
Um, I, you know, make some incredible television. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah, he's doing good work. Do, do, we, have, do, we, have, do we have any more of him in this show? Am I allowed to know that? There's one more episode. But... Yes, let's fucking go. Excellent. That's, what you, that's why I like to hear. Yeah, it is, it is weird. He's just like basically an all-star in Ultraman in terms of like one of the main oh. guys. I almost forgot I learned some Jisoji information that is fairly important. Ooh. Um, oh, actually, th- also two. I actually two things. I, I noted two things. Uh, I wrote down two notes. I forgot to read it the last episode. To be fair, we had a lot to talk about last episode. Um, they reference a uh, Jonan University uh, in episode forty-two, which I thought was funny because that's like the generic name that like Common Rider uses for when they need oh. like <laughs> a university. Oh yeah, yeah. And I was like, oh damn. Uh, that showed up here early, because um, this is still pre common Rider era. Um, but then also, uh, Jisoji fucking was responsible for, like, the story and some of the, like, concept stuff for the first EDF game. Huh. What the fuck? What? Yeah. That's crazy. Like, they got him on board to, like, come up with the scenario stuff and all that. Uh, wh- huh? Which, like, it tracks. It's, like, I mean, I even when I played EDF and talked about it on this podcast, I'm like, yeah, this, like, gives me, like, some ultra vibes. Like, no, there's a there's a direct line there. Damn. That makes sense. That's cool. Yeah. That's cool. Uh, as as with all the great legends, weird about women, thank you, Jisoji, um, for your service. Uh, your weirdo freak shit uh, will never be forgotten. Thanks to your Life work on Techno. Women for... are my favorite guy. Yeah. Uh, thanks to your work on children's television, we will never forget the uh, weird pornographic movies you made. Yeah, I still need to watch those. I have a box set of them. They come in box sets. <laughs> nice. Uh, oh, it's, it's yeah, like a trilogy, like a right? Box of, of the because tri- it's a trilogy. Yeah. 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 All right. Well. Unless we have anything more to say about this episode, we might be done. I got an email. Ooh. Give us an Once email. Woo! Our good friends, Jixar. Uh, so, he wants to start off by saying uh, he enjoyed the genocide counter. Uh, cut to us this episode, immediately regretting our words and deeds. <laughs> uh, the genocide counter will says, be back, I believe. I, I believe in my heart. Uh, he says, uh, ironically enough, we might not get a chance to use it as much or often now. Oh, he says, well, I take, back the words take I, a... <laughs> I take back the words I immediately said just a moment ago. He's, he's, he says uh, the franchise might go in a more genocide bad approach, which, you know, is ethically correct. I, I, guess, uh, I guess that is what they should do. I do feel bad that we only came up with the counter so late into the genocide game. Yeah. It is funny to think about that, like, A.G. Subaraya was more okay with it because he's just that extremely Catholic, and then meanwhile, <laughs> yeah, Ajime was like, mm, wait a minute. Uh, that's what you see yeah, my heart, it does, if that's the case. does present interesting father-son relationship of, no, Dad, you can't know. Listen, why did he turn the missile 180 degrees again? Why, why did he just do it? <laughs> what was the point? Um, anyway, yeah. 
That is uh, nice to know, I guess. Yeah. Also, some of this, uh, some of this email relates to Blazor. Um, ah. Uh, apparently he's disappointed that the, the Blazer Kaiju was apparently just a triangle head fused to the floor, and he was disappointed it wasn't like that. Uh, also, he says the new ED for Blazer is weaker, and I'm like, yeah. This is true. The new ED for Blazer uh, is yeah. weaker. I listen to that first one while jogging sometimes. It's good. It's good ED. It's a good jogging song. Uh, but he's also like, uh, who cares? Gabadon next episode. Um, Hell yeah. He also said he also notes that like the showrunner Kiyotaka Taguchi is like the only person he knows who has dared to claim Ultraman sixty six as a favorite season. Uh, wild take, to be honest. Uh, <laughs> but it does seem like the showrunner himself was like, "Yeah, put Gavin on it because that's a good episode of Ultraman." Yeah. Uh, he also apparently the same guy. His favorite kaiju ever is Jamila. So you know. Good. Good. Uh, Cedric Sir notes good he doesn't he, he's happy to leave Jamila alone and not taint his memory, I guess, with it. Bring him back. Bring him back. Let him have his revenge. Yeah. Let him uh, obliterate says, NATO. Uh he also says that we probably went over the pitch for the cancelled episode of instead of Jisoji's one. Mm-hmm. Uh he also mentions, like, in the last email, like, he was referring to, like, we had a discussion on Discord about, like, a cancelled episode, but again, I'm going to talk about the, you know, unmade episodes in our final episode, because, uh... Yeah. We're also, in our final episode, alongside the last three episodes, we're going to, like, let's watch this five-minute dramatization oh, of, yes. like, one of the unmade episodes, so I'm using that as a springboard just to talk about unmade episodes, generally. Cool. Because there's a bunch of them. Uh, so yeah. Uh... I was double checking uh, the Earth Defense Force thing uh, while listening to that. Uh, apparently, this is a different game called uh, Earth Defense Force. Oh, okay. It's not the Earth Defense oh. Force. That's, that's def- you know, you know what? Easy mistake to make when the name when the games are called the same thing. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um. And he just says, yeah, we're almost at the end of seven, and he wants to save his most, like, obviously his most burning questions for when we're actually done. Uh, Hell, yeah. Next week is our penultimate episode on Zeltra 7. Yeah. God, it's wild. I would, just like, I would just like to briefly come back to the Jisoji thing. Presents the possibility that Jisoji uh, created, like, some of the concepts for, I'd, like, is it a Mysterians game? Uh, it is. So I'm also seeing an alternate translation for it as... Uh, Guard of Earth Organization, okay. and from the website psxdatacenter.com, is it, it is a mix between a simulation and tactical RPG with some adventure elements. The main part of the game is about training members of your team that will pilot giant robots later on in the game. During each week, the player has to choose what he wants the girls to do. Oh, God. Uh, during the <laughs> week to increase or decrease their stats. Uh... And then the rest of the game is apparently a tactical RPG. It takes place in the year 2016 in the city of Tokyo. The player is a member of the Earth Defender Corporation, an organization that is a disaster rescue team. Uh, and they will face different rescue, terrorist attacks, accidents, or natural disaster type missions. Imme- they got three girls. Imme- funny, okay, funny sentence. Immediate reveal on what, what this game is. When you say, you can spend time with the girls. Like, oh, okay. <laughs> I see now. Yeah. 
Uh, I just love this. They got three girls. <laughs> they got three girls. Uh, Haruka, Haruka, Mike, and Jenna as pilots for the giant robots. I kind of want to play this now. I'm sure I, I mean, I'm not going to understand any of it. I'm sure this doesn't have a fucking translation. Oh, this is a full on. Okay, this is a V like VN. Like this looks like Soccer Wars type I shit. See. Nice. Okay. Huh. Did we, well, compl- did we completely interrupt the end of that email? No, no. Okay. It, 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 yes. Uh, thank you, Cydrixa, as always. Yeah. Uh, as always. I am excited for your burning questions, uh, the finale. I'm excited for ending one show and starting another. Yeah, I... It, it's, uh... I, I'm ready for the, the switchover. I feel like I've... I'll be sad to see Ultra 7 go, but at the same time, uh... You know, yeah. I I think it's fun to swap things up every now and again, and, and I mean, uh, I'm excited to see what the Return of Ultraman entails. Yeah, and there's you know there's going to be future Ultra Seven st- Ultra Seven stuff or stuff where he's in stuff. So you know, I bet Ultraman mm-hmm. returns. No, really? I I it's, it's a long shot. I reckon Ultraman's going to be coming crazy. back three weeks from now. It is funny how uh, that uh, series kind of ends with like, oh yeah, okay, humanity, you can, you you've proven you can take on the problems on your own. Clearly, he's gonna come back and be like, clearly, I was wrong. Mm-hmm. Ultraman will uh, giving like the Douglas MacArthur speech. I will return. We have we have two weeks left to see if the crucif- uh, crucifixion happens. Yeah. Uh, to be clear, we're also like. No, between Ultra Seven and Ultra oh, Man yeah, Returns, yeah, yeah. we're doing uh, the Ultra Fight playlist residues. Yes, <laughs> yes. Uh, so four weeks from now, we will see what, what the return of Ultraman entails, uh, which is not that long. Um, so yeah, we're gonna enjoy the last six episodes of Ultra Seven. Uh, I guess I'm start some plugs. If you want to follow the show, you can do so on Twitter at ultra underscore Q. That is at ultra underscore Q U E U E. Uh, I am also on Twitter. I'm at gender underscore redacted. Uh, Mel. Uh, hi. You can find me on the different places at Dear Crowns. We have the email ultraqpod at gmail dot com. Uh, send us emails for the finale, etc. Uh, we have the fund ultra Q fund at, at coffee. Rest. Uh, yeah, you can find me everywhere at Rosenbrand. That's R-A-S-E-N-B-R-A-N. Uh, I am expecting to have some fun Halloween-themed uh, stuff going up on my YouTube channel, so look forward to some videos there. All right, sick. Uh, join us next week. Three more episodes of Ultra 7, episodes 44, 45, 46. Uh, we will see you there. We will be getting the crucifixion, eventually. Uh, bye-bye. Goodbye. Later.